did you um i don't know if we talked about this with the with the first film the, the first interview we had with you did we tell y'all the story of uh how we almost didn't even have a part one like y'all would have never met us at all no no <laughs> no really i don't wow. think so actually we made a video about it it's on our youtube channel um oh you're talking about the charlotte thing yeah the charlotte oh my god yeah so um basically you can't, you can't talk bad about charlotte no they ain't got nothing to do with particular incident yeah <laughs> so uh the very was this before we did the first screening or when we went to the the symposium the black mental health symposium in charlotte uh no it was it was it was after it was after okay yeah, it was after so basically we had an invitation to go to the black mental health symposium in charlotte um and so we we go we drive up it's during the week or whatever we we, we drive up and you know me and chuck just talking i'm driving me and chuck just talking and all of a sudden Chuck grabs my steering wheel and just yanks it. He said, Corbin, look out. It was a car making a beeline straight to me. So in my lane, no way. straight to me, exact same car, make model, exact same, straight towards me. So Chuck yanks it. I slap his hand out the way. I get control of the car and everything. So you got to figure I was doing 70, you know. Um, yeah. And I get straight and continued our drive to Charlotte. We get to the mental health symposium in the parking lot. Chuck gets out, walks around the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> he probably looking at me like, Corbin, why are you so calm right now? I'm just like, you know, just whatever. So we do what we do. We show, the, we show a little bit of the film at the symposium, whatever. Be there for a little bit. Get back on the road to go back. We had a meeting with a therapist on Six Forks or whatever. After that meeting, something said, Google driver going wrong way in Charlotte. This That was right outside of Charlotte. Wrong way. Yeah. I pull it up. This after the lady, after we like dodged her, she hits a truck. Oh, God. Dies upon impact. Wow. Come to find out, she just left a mental health hospital. Yep. Wow. That day, just left. I don't know whose car that was. Got in that car and drove. It was a police chase. Yep. The police were chasing her? Police were chasing her, but the police was on the other, in the other lane, you know, going opposite. So so, so imagine you're on 85. Yeah. (laughs) And you see, and I'm, and I'm looking at my peripheral like I know I'm not tripping. You know, yeah, it you know takes you a minute to turn? register that. Yeah. Yeah. You know how you're on that turn and somehow the, ter- the the car is going, let's say, eastbound or whatever. Look like Daniel Lane, but they're, you know, going opposite. Yeah. yeah. So oh imagine gosh. that. So I see it, but I'm like, oh, this that's over there, you know. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. Yeah, man. So, that's crazy. Yeah. I, so what's That's crazy, a God thing. Yeah. So what was crazy about it was. The reason we were going to Charlotte, and yeah. we say this in a little clip or whatever, the reason we was going to Charlotte to show the film is the is the almost the thing that took us out. That's right. Yeah. That's 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 the that's yo, that's crazy. And the yeah. crazy thing is, Corbin, we didn't even talk about it, did we? Nope. We we didn't talk about the lady that day, man, because we were both like, I there's no way to die. I mean, like we're literally inches from hitting that car. It was, it was, yeah. yeah. Head on, yeah, and that's what that yeah. now that's when we realize, yo man, we're here for a reason, yeah, man, mm-hmm. here for a purpose. Yeah, you, got, you got something to do, yeah. So, that mm. you know, now we think back to that day, it's like we wouldn't have met you guys, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have released the film, the first one, we wouldn't have, you know, this is like, okay, <laughs> this is real. Those are my guests on today's show, Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman. They are the founders of the 4C Visuals Group. 
and they've made two documentary films focusing on the mental health of black men. Their first film in 2019 was I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. And they've now created part two, which is I'm Good Bro 2 2020, a look at the mental health of black men through the experiences of 2020. You can find their films on YouTube at their YouTube channel, 4C Visuals Group. Stay tuned. We're going to talk more about part two. and you hosted by toby jenkins a licensed marriage and family therapist serving central kentucky each week toby will bring you a show with a topic related to mental health relationships or self-improvement the name of the show paradigm comes from that moment in the therapy process when a profound shift in perspective happens for a client an epiphany sometimes accompanied by physical reaction that leads them to look at things differently and make significant steps towards improving and enriching their lives. We are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. I'm your host, Toby Jenkins. Today, we are talking with the founders of 4C Visuals Group, uh, Chuck Crouch and Corbin Coleman, and um, their follow up to I'm Good Bro One, which is I'm Good Bro Two 2020. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things about um, part two is that it captures COVID from a not an all-inclusive Black experience, but very key things in the Black experience of 2020. And we talked a little bit about, um, you know, we hit the shutdown, you were in the middle of getting uh, part one out, and and actually COVID kind of helped, you know, in, in between the, uh, during the commercial break, um, COVID was a very um, unequal experience for a lot of people. Um, and I used, for example, uh, being a, a therapist and being able for me to be able to pivot to telehealth and having more work than I knew what to do with. And that was definitely not the case for everyone. And it was a very uh, unequally experienced um, event for everyone. But, um, you know, we kind of stopped with like COVID, uh, I mean, with Kobe, uh, and then a couple of the killings that took place of black men in particular. Um, and your film does a really good job of showing specific responses to some of these really shocking events and people taking it in. Um, so where, where, where in the black experience of, of 2020 does it go next? And then what were you trying to capture and show from it? Um, I think next it was the and me and Chuck went back and forth with this as far as the dates, because as you stated, some things were, they tried to hide up under the rug, uh, the Ahmaud Arbery and then Breonna Taylor. Like what really happened first? You know, we, we were trying to figure that out because of, again, with Ahmaud Arbery, they were trying to hide that, well, basically with the, the killing in Georgia. Um, so once we sort of figured that out, we just sort of lumped them together because it, it, everything seemed to happen back to back to back to back. So we wanted to film it in that, from that perspective, like once we got through this, here comes something else. You know, once we got through that, here comes something else, you know, and it, it just, we really didn't have enough time to, to grieve. Yeah. We didn't really have enough time to heal mm -hmm. uh, from that perspective. And some of the things that we like maybe have took, uh, taken for granted, you know, we didn't realize how much that we would miss those things. Um, you know, there was a particular part in, in the film where I talk about, uh, like my daughter, she didn't have a prom. Mm. It was her senior year of high school. She didn't have a prom. So second semester of her senior year was all from home, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, 
going to school online and everything. So if she didn't have a prom, guess what? She didn't have a your traditional graduation, mm-hmm. you know, which is where my disappointment and people tell me they really felt that they saw my heartache, you know, for that, you know, as maybe as trivial as it may have seemed, but, you know, as a parent, those, those events, those rites of passage, those are the things that you sort of can't wait for because you realize, okay, it's her time now. You know, I've had my time, you know, other family members had their time, friends and everything. It's her time now, and she didn't get that. So that was my disappointment. My disappointment, you know. Then on top of that, of course, all the killings. You know, how do you explain that? You know, I had to yeah. check in with her to see how she was feeling. Yeah. You know, explain, you know, some of the things that <laughs> she didn't know about, or or try to answer questions the best way possible. Yeah, that, that, you know, I, I, <laughs> that was a difficult time to be a parent um, yeah. and to be a yeah. uh, parent to black children. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my kids and I have teenagers and um, we um, we had difficult conversations. Um, one in particular that that often comes up, um, my, my, my son is into like Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy and uh uh, games and that kind of stuff. And, um, he, uh, he asked us, uh, me and his, his mother, um, Hey, can I buy this sword? Oh man, here we go. Well, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my son at the time, he's 16 now, he was like 14 and, you know, my wife and I both looked at each other and like, "Mm -mm, Nope. And, and then having to have that conversation with, with my son, like, um, no, um, because it's dangerous for you. And does it feel like an, over, it felt a little, may have felt like a little bit of an overreaction, but not really. And so having mm-hmm. to have that conversation with my son, yeah, you think it's fun, but if that, you take that out of this house, we don't know how that's going to be interpreted. And that could be really dangerous. Was I it the, the same thing with my son too. The talk, I'm sorry, Sean, was it the talk, you know, what we have to give our kids in particular yeah for me it was okay for you well well, we we had had quote unquote the talk but this was like a further extension of that because he wanted uh, um not the sword but the short version what's the uh the dagger looking thing what they call it so i was like i was like hey man um nah we can't do that i was like i don't really care about you having it right just like he wanted a um pellet gun because the Mm. boys he hang out with you know most of them are black. I was like, but if you were walking down the road, y'all all walking down the road, you got these pellet guns. Pellet guns look like real rifles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was like, nah, we can't do it. I was like, Miles, you know, I'm sorry, but like, we can't do that. And I can't, I can't allow you. I don't, I understand why you want it, right? Y'all out shooting squirrels or whatever. I did that when I was a kid, right? But I did it in our in a in a black neighborhood where people knew me and it was in the country so like everybody you know it was just something you did it wasn't a big deal but being in a different surrounding where you have a more mixed population like no we i I can't allow you to do that right and so it was frustrating for them yeah when we we can't see what we have seen in the news and on television and not take that into consideration um, right. yeah you know it's weird not not to cut your guys off but it's kind of in the line of what y'all are saying the the <clears throat> I, I can't remember the specific day that george floyd happened but if, i mean if you really and it i think may re- 30th or may 25th was it, I, yeah it was may i i think and i got it's kind of two points I, I think the reason why that resonated so much is because we we saw this in real time like there's no footage of Breonna Taylor. There's a footage of Ahmaud Arbery, but it was way after it. But we we watched, the nation watched that in real time. But just a quick story. My son was eight at the time. And my son likes to ride his bike. And all, and, you know, a lot of times I have to, you know how we are as fathers. So I look both ways, you know, stay focused when you're on the bike, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, and I live, I live in a very 
very good neighborhood, like no crime or nothing. So I just noticed one day there was a bunch of uh, uh, cops behind my complex. And so like any concern, you know, I was like, what's going on? And so I went back there and Jordan, my son was with me. And um, uh, a person, make a long story short, a person got hit on a bike mm. by a car. I'm not even sure if they survived it or not. So I said, well, I said, well, this will be a good learning tool for my son. There's a younger white cop, right? Excuse me, officer. You know, I said, can you, um, you know, just, just kind of stress the importance of bike riding safety. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Extremely nice cop. I mean, just a very nice, call me, sir, you know, you know, son, you know, listen to your father. But I mean, just, and to the point where I was like, wow, he was really nice. Like, he was like the, what a cop should be. Get a cat out of a tree. Right. And it it, it really, it really like kind of changed my, you know, I was like, wow, they are really good. And the next day, George Floyd happened. Mm, wow. The That's very next day. That's interesting because I have just that quick. It was, it was it was gone, man. <laughs> you know, like wow. Yeah. I could totally see that. I I so I'm um, involved with a nonprofit and um my friend teacher, she she um has the CMPD come in. So like I have a whole group of cops that I'm straight cool with right right i even see one of them at the gym where i work out right and so it's really weird it's almost confusing right because it creates also a situation where you look at some of them like hmm are you really who you you know mm-hmm. say you are or like who you pretend to be when we're all together or is it like uh you know something in the background it's, it's just weird because it shouldn't be that way it's like hey these are good folks Right. And they're with black kids because we're in a black neighborhood. Uh, so like Rex and I grew up in kind of thing like it, it. And it's really awkward to be on one hand, see stuff like that. But then on the other hand, you have a whole group of people who are just not like that. Yeah. And, and they have to fight against that themselves because I asked them about it and they're like, well, we like we're stuck. Yeah, it's. Uh, complicated um you know uh, <clears throat> i was having a discussion with another another guest and um he emphasized the point that um when, and and i be, i think about this from a therapy standpoint that we are way more comfortable with binary choices meaning uh, mm-hmm. all cops good or all cops bad um <laughs> and, and seriously i mean no, that's, that's how we if we can put it in a box but um there's, there's way more nuance to it than to be able to simplify it that way. And it's, it's complicated, which means we have to treat it uh, like it's complicated because it is, it is. I could not imagine doing that job. I, I could not imagine doing that job. Um, and uh, I know um, uh, the average citizen is not always the kindest or nicest uh yeah. Uh, to cops, to police officers as well. Well, we're up yeah. against a break. You know, we're talking with uh, uh, Chuck Crouch and Corbin Coleman and Shine the Chef. And um, we are uh, walking through um, part two of I'm Good Bro. Uh, this, uh, this part two focuses on 2020 and certain parts of the Black experience of 2020 and beyond. So we'll be right back. This is Toby Jenkins, founder of Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy and host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy is a proud sponsor and supporter of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. At Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy, we work with couples, families, and individuals walking with you through life's challenges and transitions. You can find out more about Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy and request an appointment through telehealth or in person at www.jenkinscft.com or by calling 859 859- 
Uh, we are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. I'm your host, Toby Jenkins. Today, I have the founders of 4C Visuals Group, uh, Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman, and my buddy, Shonda Chef. So, um, you know, uh, we've been talking about um, I'm Good Bro Part 1 and I'm Good Bro Part 2 2020. And uh, Part 2 sheds a light on very specific aspects of 2020. And I would say from a black perspective. And so um, we talked about the numerous kind of things and tragic things that happened in the impact it had on us across the board as a culture, as a society. And, you know, I said earlier, my rule of thumb or most therapists, their rule of thumb with stressors is that uh, three things usually the most we can deal with. But, you know, as a society, we're dealing with way more (laughs) than three things. And we, we saw the fallout. Um, but uh, one thing that's become clear at this point in 2022 is that uh, the demographic that is, has had the most increases in um, mental health issues, suicide ideation, suicide attempts are black teenagers. Um, and I can't, I, I don't want to give the wrong number, but in the last six or seven years, um, the number of black teens has, who have uh, attempted suicide has tripled or quadrupled and it's, it's growing. And so just for perspective, um, it's teens are not the highest, uh, in terms of rates of, of suicide. And so when you look at demographics, it's that black teenagers are, growing at a faster rate than a lot of other demographics. And so we can't, and I don't think we'll know um, for a while what the last two or three years have done. Cause I know, I know across the board, you know, uh, Corbin, you talked about uh, the experience of your daughter who missed graduation. My daughter too, didn't have a graduation dressed up for a prom. She and five or six of her girlfriends had their own little mini prom. Uh, and so that that's kind of, there's some things that were just missing, but, um, but your film touches on that. And so one of the things that you talk about, or one of the guests on, or one of the uh, mental health specialists talk about is the role of vicarious trauma. Mm-hmm. And so yes. uh Vicarious trauma is essentially you being traumatized by the trauma of others. And so in particular, like we talked a little bit about George Floyd. And so all of us are in that age demographic. And so it's very easy for us to put ourselves in the position that George Floyd was in and experience that trauma, even though we weren't there. And I've probably said this before. I still have not watched um, the whole thing um, too much for me. Um, but, um, you know, I, I was also, <laughs> so your, your film plays, both films play a significant role. And one of the roles, I, I, I haven't talked to you guys since uh, two years ago, but um, I facilitated a screening of your film at a fraternity uh, convention in the state of Kentucky. And it, created an opening for this room of a hundred men, young men to uh, be vulnerable and talk about some of their struggles and to be affirmed by uh, this large group of men to say, it's okay. And getting help is okay. And these are conversations that I don't think would have happened without the films you make. So your films play a very significant role. And it's one of those things well, I'm assuming, and I'm a probably pretty good, uh, pretty good assumption that it's like um, you give it to one person, they give it to three people, and then it spreads and has tentacles. But it's definitely a conversation that we, uh, we need to have, um, which is why I went into the work I do, because a lot of men well, the field of mental health is dominated by, by women. And a lot of men will not go to therapy uh, because they don't feel like 
they're understood. I mean, so, you can you can you can barely get a man to go to the regular doctor, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, they, that's true too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's you know, and I and it makes me feel good. I'm, I and I'm sure Corbin shares the same sentiment to know that you know that our our, our film is being shown um, in places that we don't know you know about. I mean, like that's that's awesome to me. Yeah. You know, to know that, um, you know, somebody may be showing it right now, you know, um, because, uh, you know, it's, and Corbin to tell you, I mean, we didn't, when we made this film, I mean, it was our first film, we were learning as we go, uh, editing, and I mean, all of this. Um, and, I, you know, we just wanted to get some awareness out. We, we had no idea that it would just grow legs like it did, yeah. so... I mean, and I, I mean, that's awesome that it's, it's touching so many people. I mean, you know, and Corbin can tell you, like, at the screenings and stuff, I mean, man, it's just opening up just to our mouths are just a gate. Like, mm-hmm. wow. I mean, just sharing stuff like, hey, I've never said this before. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, yep. it's a conversation piece. And, you know, that's, that's, that's why we did it. So. I, I appreciate I appreciate it, man. Yeah, and, and it's you know, um, like I we never thought in a million years we just wanted to provide information. We didn't know yeah. it was going to do all of this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and to the point where you know we had a following. People were asking us, you know, mm-hmm. hey, well, we want to do a part two, and that was like the reason we did a part two. The people were asking for it. Oh, yeah. We didn't know it was going to talk about you know twenty twenty no pandemic and everything like that that we was going to talk about something completely different we was going to be more solution focused mm-hmm. at that point but um it just like you said grew, grew legs of its own and it's still doing it now i mean yeah. you know you know if we have an ask we're almost at twenty thousand views wow. so yeah so so we're we're close so i think we're just maybe either right at a thousand short of twenty thousand so by the time this plays, Toby, you know, maybe we'll be <laughs> at 2,000. I don't know. So, 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 so tell people to watch it, you know, and share <laughs> the first we'll one. Do. Yeah. That is a huge milestone, you know. Especially um, for a first time filmmaker. First time. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge, yeah. you know, milestone. Um, you know, especially with it being just, with it just short of an hour, you know, usually uh, yeah. that doesn't get that many views. You know, granted, it's been almost three years, but that's still a lot, <laughs> you know, views. So, well, you actually got me thinking uh, about showing it at our next, I have what I call the fellas table mm-hmm. where we got, so I have uh, my nephew, well, I call them both my nephews. One of them is actually my nephew, two of them, uh, two of my boys, me and my son, and we're, we're going to grow it, but we sit down every other week Mm-hmm. We just got, we just did our second one, like starting it back up. We were doing it pre-COVID mm-hmm. and just do like have real conversations, whether it's about girls, whether it's about like life skills, mm-hmm. direction, whatever you want to say. And man, like I was sitting here thinking like, man, maybe I'll show it mm-hmm. and then we'll have a discussion next time. Um, you know, this week it was kind of light, but the one before that, we kind of did a check-in similar to, uh, uh, was it I Am Athlete? Yeah, like, what are you at? Yeah, Ooh. yeah, where we at, right? That's in the whole conversation. Bro, we were three hours talking just from, mm-hmm. hey, where are you at? No. Right, and I even had a chance for my son. He revealed some things uh, that he went through during a uh, divorce. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time he's ever done that. And he was the one who was like, yo, daddy, like, when are we going to do this again? And, oh, I need to bring some of my friends because it's a different feel. It's a different, he sees it. It's like, man, this feels good. Like, I'm with other men and we get to learn. And, like, we learn as as the old heads from the young dudes, right, (laughs) about different things that we you know, we're looking at them like, what in the world is going on? And then they explain to you like, dang, you know, that makes sense, right? But before that, it didn't make sense, you know. So it's it's really cool, man, just to see how your film impacts people, and then they can 
you know, share that with others mm -hmm. and it grows. And if we can continue to do that, then, you know, it'll, it'll help this thing that's happening mm -hmm. amongst us and actually help us start to realize how many, um, how much trauma we have in our community. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And try to, you know, like as a whole and maybe start having not only we're victims, but stop the victim mentality and get into, okay, so how do we fix this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, um, you said one of the, one of the key vocabulary words, which is, which is trauma. And, mm -hmm. uh, to, there's a very good book out there. I, um, it's called, uh, my grandmother's hands. Um, Oh yeah. You've yep. read it. Yeah. That book is I deep, isn't it? it? Um, and the thing, the, 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 one of the things that really struck me out of that book was, um, uh, from a medical science standpoint, we were beginning, be, beginning to learn that um, we, we pass trauma on generation to generation. Mm -hmm. um, some of it's genetic, some of it's behavioral, yeah. but the, um, the estimate is that um, it takes multiple generations to uh, like work out a trauma, like a significant trauma. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's just not for people of color. Uh, that's for that's for everybody, because I mean, if you look around the world, um, both currently and historically, there's always some type of conflict going on and people experiencing trauma yeah. and you just don't walk away from it in your generation. It passes on. And so that trauma is deep. And then, you know, I could talk about trauma all day. <laughs> um, well, now, one experience I have had with men in therapy is that um, they've normalized trauma. So yeah. this experience I've had as a kid, doesn't everybody do that? Doesn't everybody experience that? And it's kind of like, no, not everybody does or should because, and that's, that's a trauma. Um, and so we don't look at yeah. it that way, but, um, yeah. but anyway, so we're up against a, a break. So um, uh, we're up against a break. Um, today we're talking with the founders of 4C Visuals Group, uh, Chuck Crouch and Corbin Colbin. They are the creators of I'm Good Bro 1 and I'm Good Bro 2 um, and really connecting to uh, the mental health of black men in particular. So uh, we'll be right back. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You, and this is Woman Insight. One of the other patterns I look for when I'm working with couples is adjacent trauma. And adjacent trauma just means that one person's traumatic experience perfectly complements the other person's experience of trauma or being adjacent to the trauma. So for instance, um, if let's say the wife grew up in a, in a family where her dad was an alcoholic and struggled all the time, usually that second generation state despises it. However, it's not uncommon for this wife to then be attracted to a partner who is struggling with alcoholism. And so what you get is this kind of unconscious comfort with the trauma because you've had a lifetime of living with it, dealing with it, and some, in some situations being the caretaker or rescuer. So then in your current relationship, you know what that role feels like, and it's something you've always done, even though you despise it. And when it, when the one partner despises it to a certain, to a larger extent, that's when it becomes really difficult for a relationship to get out of these kind of problematic cycles. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. One of the biggest stresses that we encounter is money. Money issues strain our family life, create stress in our relationships, and can provoke serious anxiety and depression. And many don't know where to turn to get relief. That's where the Darius Norman Show comes in. The Darius Norman Show airs daily on WTTA-FM 101.2 from 1 to 2 p.m. Darius Norman is a certified credit and financial counselor and author of Rewriting Financial Rules. It's his objective to empower others with educational tools and services to assist them in taking control of their financial and credit issues. Tune in to The Darius Norman Show on WTTA-FM 101.2 and you can follow him on Twitter at The Darius Norman Show.
You've got mail. You've got mail. This is from Angelo. My boyfriend's mother died three years ago from a sudden heart attack, and he can't seem to get over it. He won't talk about it, but I know when he's irritable for no reason and snaps at me out of nowhere, it's because he's thinking of his mom. Is this normal? Is this depression? Angela. So this should be right up our alley. Mental yeah. health for men. Yeah. I mean, I... I... I mean, it sounds like he he needs therapy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm not saying that jokingly. Yeah, I know. No, no, no. I, mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm I'm in grief. I'm in, I'm still in grief therapy for my dad. So, huh? yeah. I mean, it. Yeah, it sounds like he's suppressing his grief. Yeah. How long yeah. do you expect to be grieving, Chuck? I mean, I I mean, I'll be grieving for the rest of my life. I mean, yeah. You know, that's. So you you know therapy is all about you know it's all about learning learning how to cope mm-hmm. you know it's not going to get rid of the issue I mean I love my dad dearly um, yeah. you know and it's a void that's going to always be there so I'm learning how to cope yeah. and deal with yeah. that but yeah it sounds like this guy I mean like seriously he he needs you know it sounds like he needs some therapy mm-hmm. yeah I think she I think this goes into a place where I would. Uh, try to understand where they, how they communicate Mm -hmm. because she, either she or someone else who he feels safe with has to be able to get to a place where they can have him think about it in a way that he sees how it's impacting himself and those around him, Mm -hmm. right? And have it you know, since a lot of times, man, we think logically, like, try to make it into a thing where he can think through it and say, wow, okay, maybe you are right to get him to start to look at that therapy thing. Because um, I think that often we don't know what we look like to others, Mm -hmm. what impact we're having. And so if you don't have someone around you who can tell you that, Mm-hmm. that you can receive that type of message from, right? And um, if you don't have that, then it becomes very difficult for that person to see it, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that um, there has to be, there may be someone around him who can maybe have that discussion in a, in a manner that he can receive it, mm-hmm. right? To try to get some help or something in that, in that, in that realm. What if, if, she journaled you know i know it's it, if she pre prior to the mother passing away what his behaviors were were there certain things that he was always interested in and then after that he was no longer interested in those things you know that's a, a sign or a symptom of, of depression like mm-hmm. in a basketball game maybe it was going out for a while whatever it was that he enjoyed doing after that mm-hmm. he doesn't enjoy it anymore and if she could sort of document it, like from this point forward, you stop doing this, this, you were snappy starting from this point, from this point, and you'd be like, oh, wow. What do they say? If you take enough time to write something down, it's more meaningful and impactful. Yeah, that's true. Take the yeah. time to write it down. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's a, an option for her. Yeah. Man, that's really good. Um, I- <laughs> You know, often when I do these, I don't even have to answer because my guess. <laughs> you know, I, I will. I would add um, that um, losing people is part of loving, yeah. and it's it's um, losing parents in particular is hard. We're all going to have to go through it. Um, losing children, I think, is even harder. Mm-hmm. But. Um, grieving is something that we all are going to have to do at some point. And so um, I think her last part of that is he depressed. I would say, no, he's probably um, avoiding the grieving process. And so one thing I've learned about the grieving process is that um, just in general, human behavior, we try to avoid pain. Um, But one thing about the grieving process is if, and this is a role that Angela, you could play with your husband, but grieving with him 
so he's not grieving through it alone is beneficial, but also encouraging him to get help and also to stop avoiding these hard feelings of missing and longing for your mother who just passed away. And so there, there's actually uh, healing through facing those really difficult, hurtful mm-hmm. feelings um, and giving yourself time and space to cry, uh, to miss her, uh, to smell. If you still have a piece of clothing that reminds you and you can still smell it, hear her voice on a voicemail. All those things are good ways to process yeah. grieving. And like you said, Chuck, um, it's a, like a parent. That's a lifelong grieving process and it, yeah. you learn to live with it um yeah. and i think you're on the on the good side of it when the thought of this parent doesn't bring immediate sadness but you can remember the good times right think about what they did for you and those kind of loving things so hope we helped you angela don't touch that dial we'll be right back with more paradigm insights into relationships and you with Toby Jenkins. Uh, we are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. I am extremely happy to have the founders of 4C Visuals Group, Chuck Crouch and Corbin Coleman today. They are the creators of I'm Good Bro 1 and I'm Good Bro 2. Highly, highly recommended. And uh, my good friend, Shine the Chef. So, um, so when you do these screenings, um, you, you do a lot of them on college campuses with various organizations. Um, what, what kind of questions do you get um, coming from your film? Um, well, we, we always give a disclaimer. I'll <laughs> 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 always give the disclaimer because, you know, as we tell people, we're, we're just filmmakers, we present their information. So when they get to those clinical questions, yep. we always have a subject matter expert, you know, with this, whether it's the school provides it or the organization, you know, provides it that way they can answer those questions because, you know, we're not healthcare professionals. So one of the things that we tend to get asked, uh, like, well, how do I go about getting a therapist? Mm-hmm. So, we'll, you know, we'll share with them certain resources, you know, uh, websites to go to where you can pretty much filter the type of therapist that you're looking for. So if you want a black male therapist, you put in black male therapist, black male therapist that accepts Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm -hmm. So it's so many different filters. Um, But what we discovered after, well, pandemic (laughs) was therapists telling us, you know, I have a heavy caseload. I can't, Mm -hmm. you know, taking on new patients or new clients at this time. I can't do it. We've heard about therapists leaving, you know, yeah, you know, because of the, the, the caseload and everything going from in-person to telehealth. So, yep. you know, so I, I guess with, with you, Toby, have you personally experienced that or some of your colleagues, or, you know, people have left the profession or that burnout, you know, like what have you seen since the pandemic? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And so, um, and you guys actually answered, answered it very well in terms of how to find a therapist, because it's <clears throat> really easy these days. I, uh, most therapists that I know are on psychology today, find a therapist because they do the check to make sure that you are credentialed and licensed and all that good stuff. And it's easier than ever to find specifics, right? Um, uh, COVID, you know, going back to like COVID was not all bad. And I think one of the good things with COVID and mental health is that um, it's made access to therapy easier than ever. Um, and so even finding now you, uh, I, I do get a lot of clients who want a therapist of color. And so pre COVID, I had clients who would drive an hour from somewhere in Kentucky to Lexington just to do therapy in person uh, with me. Wow. So the good thing about COVID is that um, it opens, it's a little complicated, but it opens up more therapists to, to the average person. So if you're looking for a specific kind of therapist, you're no longer bound by your location. Um, the insurance industry and all that stuff that's regulated by state, um, there are national telehealth, um, companies popping up 
that's still relatively state by state. Uh, I think as we move forward with telehealth, I think at some point we're just gonna have a national licensure so that mm. someone in California, hey, I like Toby Jenkins. He's in Virginia. Oh, yeah. I can work with him via telehealth and mm. it's covered by your insurance and all that good stuff. And what, so, what was the site, Toby? It's psychologytoday.com. It's a magazine. Mm. Actually, I have, uh, not that our viewers can uh, see it, but <laughs> uh, they put out a monthly magazine, Psychology Today, and uh, their website. You can then they have a find a therapist tool. So from a caseload standpoint, you know, I mentioned earlier, um, like once Kentucky, the state of Kentucky pivoted to telehealth and Kentucky as a state was slow to do that because there are other states in, in the country that have been doing telehealth with uh, therapy for years, mm -hmm. uh, mm. years. And so Kentucky quickly pivoted to uh telehealth and it was a little clunky trying to figure out like what's HIPAA compliant what's uh and because you want to protect your client's confidentiality and their privacy so right. you can't do telehealth over FaceTime um right. because it's not HIPAA compliant mm -hmm. and there are a lot of things you have to do to protect your your clients and their privacy <clears throat> um but um but we pivoted in Kentucky to telehealth open it up for a lot of people and kind of going back to, I was overwhelmed with, uh, with the number of requests for therapy and early in during the pandemic, I kind of thought, man, it's easy. I don't have to go to, I don't have to go anywhere. All I, I can sit in my basement and do therapy all day. And just like for perspective. And also I teach, uh, when I, when I was teaching at UK in particular, I, I spend a lot of time on burnout. And so from a therapist standpoint, since you are the tool, you have to take care of yourself. And you, I like, for instance, I have a limit mm -hmm. to how many sessions I will do in a week. Mm -hmm. And there's some designated times I take off just to make sure that I am engaging in self-care, pouring back into myself. Um, because if I am, you know, if I'm fried mentally, no good. I, I, I'm no good. And so that sweet spot for me is about 20 sessions a week. Um, and so mm -hmm. you might look at my calendar and say that leaves a lot of time, but basically for every, every hour you do therapy, there's another Together. 20 minutes of administrative stuff you have to do. And so it, it's, it's a full workload. And so from a therapy set, from a therapy standpoint, I did get to a point where I stopped taking clients because, um, especially early in a pandemic, everything was urgent and very intense. Mm -hmm. Um, but how I would did, say, hmm? how did that impact you personally from, you know, that, cause I always been thinking about that for therapists and, uh, lawyers, like divorce lawyer types or people who deal with, the. Uh, you know, personal things that are going on that can, you know, you can be affected by? Um, you, you have to learn how to develop some um, professional emotional distance. And so yeah. when I first started doing therapy, I was really invested, especially with couples, because that's my thing. And so, for instance, if, you know, I poured into a couple because I'm going to save this couple from getting divorced and they got divorced early on, I was like crushed. It's like, wow. I just can't believe this. Wow. I mean, it would, and it'd take me a while, but you know, over time as I've gotten, you know, a little longer and more experienced, I know I have to have some distance um, from it. Mm -hmm. So the, the, my client's plight isn't my plight. Now there is stuff that definitely hits me hard. And so that's where the self-care comes in. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I've learned, um, um, I can feel it. And I, I get fatigued. Um, I have a hard time sleeping, all those kind of things. And you just can't see everyone. And so um, I've been, you know, for the last two and a half years, I've been, I've had a waiting list, worked it back, had a waiting list, worked it back. But, um, but I, I encourage, you know, one of the takeaways from your film is that um, people should seek out therapist and get help and 
the demographics of therapists is that um, if you are black or person of color, it's a very small percentage of licensed therapists out there. And so I encourage people to not, not only look for black therapists, if you're black, because there's a whole lot you can learn uh, from someone that doesn't look like you. And, you know, from like for perspective, kind of going back to what we we're talking about in between the, in between um, in the break there. Um, sometimes when you have to explain things that someone in your culture kind of knows you don't have to explain, it can really put shine a light bulb and say, no, that is, that is kind of jacked up now that I say it out loud and explain it in detail yeah. to someone who doesn't know. And that's, not, that's kind of the advantage because someone outside of your experience can challenge you in a way that someone inside cannot. And it, I guess it would cause you to actually think through it more when you're trying to explain something that is not part of that culture, right? Inherently or whatever the case may be. Or even if it's somebody who just has no idea what you're talking about, when you have to break things down, you can think through it. And a lot of times I think that triggers actually thoughts to help you right. cope with like actually oh wow wait i didn't right. see that before yeah right and, and you can um i mean most uh therapists get some type of cultural competency training i know i did because i have i work with a broad uh cultural um you know base and so there are cultures that i'm not as well versed on but through my training you have to and so yeah and then you just learn how to approach it and so be curious, uh, remove your judgment, ask questions. Um, and a lot of people from different cultures are very happy to explain to you, well, this is what it's like from my culture. Yeah. Um, and this is how it's a little different. So, so that's kind of my spiel on. So I encourage everyone to, to seek out and just mm -hmm. don't let the, the color or the background of the, of the therapist keep you from getting help. Is there like a, a what they call the great resignation in, in your world? Um, not so much. And it's, and I think, I think it depends on where you are. And so for me, I am relatively uh, sheltered and shielded because I'm in private practice. Okay. And I have a lot of autonomy um, and I make my own schedule, my own schedule. So if I get to the point where I'm, feeling like I'm at the edge, I can cut back. Too. Okay. But um, a lot of the therapists I know, um, like previous to COVID, kind of the rule of thumb were most fresh out of, fresh out of master's program therapists lasted about four years before they got out. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. It's hard work. I mean, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's hard work. And so you're seeing the great resignation, like with teachers, mm -hmm. nurses, yeah. mm -hmm. right. Um, also, uh, social workers, yes. social workers, really, really tough. Yeah. Right now. And, uh, and the, the dynamic with social workers in particular is that, um, their compensation is typically tied to some state agency. That agency is underfunded. Mm -hmm. you've got all and especially if you've got a heart for kids yeah. and kids are suffering and that it i've i know a couple of social workers and they are contemplating leaving the field and it's a it's hard because they're in it for the kids mm -hmm. but they can't do their yeah. job because they're not yeah. enough of them and right. kids are getting hurt yeah. and worse yeah so um so that's my spiel on yeah. therapy oh, so oh, oh. Wow, four years. <laughs> you know, that's that's on par with, uh, and I learned this uh, a couple of years ago, a CEO stays in his position on average five years. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know an executive yeah. coach and um, that's that. And, you know, it's it's the different end of the burnout mm -hmm. cycle. But mm -hmm. being in that kind of leadership is extremely taxing. It's isolating. Yep. And mm -hmm. um it has its own unique challenges. Um, so we only typically hear about the CEOs that do it well, um, but it's, it's, it's not as easy and cushy as most people think. Right. No, that's why they get paid the money. That's right. why I try to yeah. tell people, I'm like, listen, man, if you have to deal with what they got to deal with, uh, don't complain. Yeah. Right. You mad because he making 
X million or whatever. I'm like, uh, I tell you what, you step up in there and then let's see what happens. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and a lot is one of the things that makes it so isolating is that, um, the, you know, the, the pyramid narrows and you don't have any, you don't have peers. Lonely. Exactly. Yeah, it's lonely. Exactly. And you yeah. can get, yeah, so it's complicated. But man, this went by fast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, where can people find your films? So the if you go to our, our YouTube channel, you just type in 4C Visuals Group and go to our YouTube channel and you can see the first film. The second film, it is unlisted because we're doing our film festival run right now, so we can't uh, have it out public right now. However, uh, Toby and, and, and Sean, if you guys you know, wanted to, you can still share it. So it's unsearchable, mm-hmm. but the link that I sent you, you can send that out yeah. to the people or, or put it on your page or anything like that. They can click on it and watch it. Awesome. If you don't gotcha. search for it, you wouldn't be able to find it. So it's almost, gotcha. almost like a private link in a sense yeah Um, yeah but but yeah if you could do that yeah perfectly fine man uh best of luck with the upcoming showings and film festivals um your work continues to uh uh touch at something that needs to be talked about more Mm -hmm. and exposed so uh keep up the good work yeah Yeah. actually we do have uh and chuck i'll let you because you can explain this a lot better than i can the next film that we're working on. It, it doesn't have anything to do with mental health. So we're, we talk about, again, keyword pivot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just you hear him explain what you're working on this. So what, uh, what we wanted to do, um, we, we, we're always going to be, uh, I guess what you could call mental health ambassadors, mm-hmm. you know, uh, specifically for black men. But we didn't want to, as far as filmmakers are concerned, we, went, we didn't want to be pigeonholed. Um, yep. So it uh, was like, okay, Corbin, we've talked about men for these, you know, our first two films. And so our next, <laughs> our next film uh, is going to be, we think it's going to be pretty controversial. Um, but like it's, 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 it's uh, basically, it's going to be, uh, a, a, the film is about womanism or the black feminist movement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a hot topic and, yeah. but you know, nobody's, I think a lot of people speak on it and don't really know like the origins and you know what mm-hmm. exactly it is because, you know, I didn't know that feminism and womanism were two different things. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah, until absolutely. I looked, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. You know? Yep. So that's going to be the next one. We're going to start filming here shortly. Uh, this is the one, you know, that we, you know, we're really going to invest into. Not that we didn't in the, in the first two, but this is the one that we're really going to really push and try to get on some, you know, mainstream streaming platforms. Very um, cool. You know, because, I mean, you know, it's a thing that, you know, people are talking about and, Mm-hmm. And you're either you're either extremely with it or you're not. Yep. So mm-hmm. we want to we're going to talk to people that are both for and against. So, very cool. Yeah, man. Very very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, man, good. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, yeah. once again, I want to thank you for taking the time out and uh, helping shed light on the mental health of uh, black men. Once again, um, Chuck Crouch, Corbin Coleman, founders of Four C Visuals Group. There are two films that are I'm Good Bro Part 1, Unmasking Black Male Depression, and I'm Good Bro 2, 2020. Um, And like I always say, if we've helped one person today, which I think we've helped more than one, then uh, this time has been well worth it. Uh, We'll see you next week. Toby at ParadigmRadioShow.com. You can find archive shows and additional details about guests of the show at the show's website, www.ParadigmRadioShow.com. You can follow weekly one-minute insight posts on the show's Instagram and Twitter feed at Paradigm Radio Show. 
For archived episodes, you can find episodes wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You is brought to you by Jenkins Professional Services and Hype Media Global. Thank you for tuning into Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You with Toby Jenkins. Join us again.